Hi, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. This is a marketing podcast like you haven't heard before. It's about real connections and honest conversations. Why am I here? To remind you that you can fly. If you're brave enough to listen to that calling inside you, I'm here to serve you and show you that marketing can and should be honest, that the truth sells and authenticity wins. So how can businesses and brands build a real and authentic audience? The Authentic Audience Podcast gives you insight into growing your business and marketing strategies to gain real followers and loyal customers. Each week, I create a space of radical honesty for thought leaders and entrepreneurs who have built successful businesses to share their insights on business, marketing, relationships, life, and spirituality. Each episode is sure to remind you the power of storytelling and truth selling. Get ready to get real, get raw, get honest, and keep growing. Hey, hey, welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm Chris Stripma. I am your host. You are in for a treat on today's episode. I've got Emery Hall, one of my very best friends on the podcast, talking for the first time about her pregnancy journey, motherhood, privacy, doulas, the goddess myth, her prayer for pregnant mamas, all of the things. She reads me her poetry. She makes me cry. We talk reality TV all of the things. Before we dive in though, I wanted to quickly share that today's episode is brought to you by Audinelle Apothecary, one of my favorite brands for self-care and self-love. Their summer bundle is here. It's everything. Each season, they create these really beautiful, super intentional self-care bundles that come with candles, room sprays, mists, everything and anything to enhance your experience around that season. It's a really beautiful way to transition. I highly recommend their subscriptions. This way you are surprised at the start of every new season with some love and care for yourself and for your family. This is such a beautiful brand. You're supporting such a beautiful woman by buying these products. It's oddnl.com, A-U-D-A-N-D-E-L.com to check out their summer bundles. Again, highly recommend their subscription and you can use the code Krista10 at checkout. That's K-R-I-S-T-A 10 at checkout for 10% off. Welcome everybody um, to a very special episode featuring my bestie, Emery Hall. (laughs) How's it feel to be back? And my most requested guest. It feels so good. I feel like it's been so long. It's been so long. And like so many things have happened. So many things have happened. We've been talking about recording this for a while and we've been super intentional about when and what and all of the things. Um, but this is going to be a very special episode. And before we begin, If you want to listen to a story about how Emery and I met, this is not that podcast. There is an episode for that. If you want to listen to our trips to Nepal, this is not that episode. There is two episodes for that called a TT Deva Baba with Emery Hall, part one and part two. And if you want to hear about my miscarriage story, there is an episode for that. This is not that either. So although we have had a very big experience, both of us, Emery and I, I really want this episode to be about birth 
and about life and about motherhood and postpartum and all of the things that Emery has experienced and just hold space for her to share her story. Because although so much of what we experienced was so karmic and beautiful and amazing, our experiences have been quite different for the last how many weeks? 10. 10 weeks. We've had very different experiences. So this episode is about um, love and life and motherhood. And I want Emery to share her sacred story and whatever comes through. So that is, that is the tea. And do you have anything you want to say before we start? Um, I was just thinking about how um, birth and motherhood and pregnancy um, is such an individual process. Um, it's so uniquely individual that there's no two births, pregnancy journey alike. And I think it's, it's important to note that because I think in this, in the arena of this conversation, there is so much comparison. Um, and it's, it, I think that's, um, that's what causes, causes a lot of pain amongst women. Um, and I am here to share whatever I can, um, in a way that it's just, it's just my experience and it doesn't mean anything for anybody else's experience and that my decisions and what I've chosen to do, um, are my own and, uh, they're just as valid as yours are, um, whoever's listening. So, um, I think there's so much that can be triggered in these conversations because women there's have such intense and again, uniquely individual experiences and I think it's important to just um, take whatever I say is just like me expressing my experience and um, know that yours is just as valid and beautiful. And um, yeah, I, I in no way mean to trigger or um, bring up anything that might be painful for anybody else. It's just, this is what I went through and I'm hoping that maybe some someone who's listening gets some insight or healing or, um, you know, perspective from what I share. And that's, that's really the intention. I love that. I read this quote yesterday. I was just trying to find it. And it said something along the lines of, can we try when somebody is talking or speaking instead of thinking about like that relatable experience that we've had that we can share just yeah. like fully hold space for the other person's story. And I think that that's such a common thing to do, like as you're talking, which is why I actually wanted to set the intention that this isn't about my journey. And I'm going to ask you questions about yours because that's sometimes the first thing we want to do is like, oh, well, let me tell you what happened to me or, oh, let me talk about my experience. And we immediately in that moment are comparing our experiences. 
So I love that you set that intention. And I think that my wish for everyone listening is to just really set aside your experience or your quick reaction to compare yourself to Emery or her story or what you did or what your friend did and really just hold space for this sacred journey and for this sacred story and getting to listen to it because there's just such a power in sharing stories. And one thing that Emery and I've been talking just so much about is like the female to female relationship, especially it's so heightened around like pregnancy, motherhood, these like decisions to breastfeed or not, or Medicaid or not, like all of this stuff is just like so intense (laughs) and it's just like, let's just relax and, um, have our egos take a back seat. So like the deep feminine, the deep wisdom, the deep love can just be, be held in this story. Mm -hmm. So Yes. Thank you for setting that intention. Why don't we start by you catching us up on just the last, you know, almost year, because (laughs) um, a lot of people may have been very surprised um, when you shared that you have a little baby because no one, um, you know, publicly quote unquote, um, because you're world famous and all uh, knew that you were <laughs> pregnant. So what was being pregnant in quarantine? Like, like share as much or as little as you want from that journey. But like, let's just start by like catching up to, you know, what, where we were, what you're up to now, like fill me in. <laughs> what I'm up to now, breastfeeding, changing diapers. And that's about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh. So last June, the day after my 30th birthday, I found out I was pregnant, um, which is quite the experience um, for anybody who's seen that little pregnant little sign on the pregnancy test. Um, uh, But I was, you know, I had set the intention definitely with Trevor in our partnership to start that journey um, it's always a surprise. I think even when you set the intention, um, but, uh, I was definitely had spent the last year and, you know, this Krista just kind of, or six months, I would say before that really preparing like my body and, and, um, I think our life to take on that journey if it was meant for us. Um, and, um, it was really interesting because right after, um, we found out that we were pregnant, um, you know, there's always that, I, I think it's different for every woman, uh, like when they want to share with their family or friends. And then also, uh, some of us are in the unique position to have like a platform where we share a lot of our life. Um, and before I had gotten pregnant, I was like, oh my God, I can't wait to share it on social media. Like, that's going to be such a cool moment. Like, um, so much a part of this whole journey would be sharing the experience with others and something just kind of shifted for me um when we found out that we were pregnant um and I I think I we were Trevor and I were both really meditating on you know the social media and kind of the tone it had taken especially when COVID hit there was just a lot of um there's a lot of suffering right in the world in the past year. And I think that was really uh, pervasive in social media and coming out in different ways. And we felt it um, in our own, you know, kind of platforms on our own platforms. And I saw other people facing it and 
Um, I think there was a lot of pain there and a lot of trolling and a lot of unnecessary um, hurt that was being kind of um, bled into the social media world and the conversations there. And with something like pregnancy, which feels so intimate and also so unknown because there are, it's the moment you get pregnant for me, at least I immediately had a ton of fear of like losing the pregnancy um, because we, I know nothing is guaranteed. And so there was this fragility and this intimacy. And I really questioned whether or not um, I wanted to kind of open the door or pull back the curtain, so to say, on that part of my life and of my journey um, and kind of set it out naked, so to say, in the world of social media for people to say what they wanted, project what they wanted. Um, and ultimately I decided I, that wasn't something that I wanted to do. And, and Trevor felt the same. Um, there's this, I mean, Krista, you know this well, I think I annoy you to a certain degree with this, but I really believe so strongly in the power of privacy and the sanctity of privacy. And, um, there's such a, there's such a sacredness in when you, when you kind of withhold in a way, or like keep things very close to your heart. And, um, some of that has been a challenge for me in the, in my social media. It's like, how much do I share? How much do I not share? Um, and, uh, you know, it, I had moments throughout my pregnancy journey where I was like, man, I would just love to post about this. So I could just like, you know, chat with other women that had been through it and like, you know, just have conversations about what I was going through because, um, my pregnancy didn't end up being easy at all. I don't think anyone is, but mine was a really, I was sick pretty much the whole time. Um, and we were in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, and that, that created a lot. I, I was suffering a lot. I was, I was in a lot of pain for a long time and hungry for community. Um, even if it was just an online community, but now that I'm on the other side of it, I I'm really um, happy that we did keep it to ourselves because when I look back on it now, it was just such an intimate and quiet, um, journey that I went through just with a very few close loved ones and my husband. And, um, yeah, so yeah. I got pregnant and I had a baby in the last year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that there's a whole nother episode to not to stay too long on the privacy conversation, but I think, you know, it wasn't like this big thing, like, oh my gosh, we're going to keep this a secret. It was just like, we're going to not share it until this feels right. You know? Mm -hmm. And then every month it was like, yeah, we're not going to share. And then finally it was like six months and you're like, yeah, we're definitely not gonna yeah. do, like, you know, because at this point time had gone by. And I think that you guys really put a lot of intention into that conversation of, who and when you were going to share it with. And I think that you absolutely did the right thing for you mm -hmm. and not to say that I'm not going to scream it from the rooftops, but maybe I'm not like, I know a couple of women who are pregnant right now and the decision to share it before they got pregnant was almost like, Oh, I'm totally going to share about my pregnancy and something changes, something happens. And the other piece about it 
was it was a rough pregnancy. Yeah. And sometimes I think this comparison conversation, you almost feel guilty sharing about having a rough experience because you know, you're so lucky to even be getting pregnant. And then there's like that whole conversation around it. So you really got to just like experience your own thing. I didn't even see you pregnant. That's so weird. I know so much. My mom was like, that's crazy to me. Like, obviously I saw you on FaceTime every day and was looking at your belly every day and talking to it. And like, I can just say, I think that Kai knows my voice. (laughs) because he hears it so much but um I like so many people didn't get to even experience you physically being like the pandemic plus keeping it quiet on social media you got to have a very quiet and like incubated yeah yeah I think it's I think um yeah when you ask like the journey of the past year um and noting that I had a really difficult pregnancy. I think if I could like summarize the last year for me, it was a huge, huge lesson in unlearning and relearning and um, kind of waking up to so much about my body as a female um, and the the little I was prepared for the journey that I just went on and um, dealing and coping with the frustration of that um, and kind of having to carve my own path and seek out, um, you know, wisdom from a very few trusted people. And I'm really grateful that the universe let me find those people. And I can't imagine not having access to the support that I did and do now. Um, But yeah, I mean, we've talked about it so much. And I think one of the themes of our conversations over the past year um, and the themes of my conversations with a lot of people is just, wow, I knew so little and going into a pregnancy that I thought was going to be easy. I just got, you know, brought to my knees, so to speak, um, in that sense. And just, yeah, really, I think woke up to the lack of honest conversations that happen around pregnancy and birth and miscarriages and everything in between. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of, you know, that was definitely the fire in my belly to get on the podcast too, was to just shed light on that because it's funny now that I've started talking on social media about the difficulties of my birth and of my pregnancy. Um, so many women are like, I went through it too. And I wish more people spoke about this. Um, yeah. And that started for me, like the, I was throwing up seven times within a week of finding out that I was pregnant and that illness in some, to some extent didn't stop. And it, I'm mm-hmm. still unwell, you yeah. know, um, in the postpartum phase. And um, I didn't even know that was a thing or mm-hmm. didn't know that was possible. And felt really, um, kind of pissed off that no one had, had, had told me that, or that, that conversation just wasn't more common in my life growing up as a woman. Amen. Yeah. I feel like the unpreparedness is just like the most common theme that comes out of like being pregnant, but more than that, like we hear about pregnancy so much and we see it and we think we know, and then 
you experiencing, you know, just nausea day in and day out and day in and day out. Like it was so, and like sort of your process of learning, I think there's all of this comparison, but there's no like real, and I want to come back full circle in a bit and talk postpartum. But I think recently we've seen a really beautiful thing come from you sharing on social media. But I think the difference between what you recently shared and the support that you got, that was like about you and your journey and not really Kai. And I think, you know, it's, it was about your journey with breastfeeding and how that's gone for you and the incredible support that has come through. Like it's both sides and you're going to get both when you share. And I think that's the hard part. Um, especially with something so sacred and so personal and a conversation for whatever reason is like heated or like has this like almost primal, like you've been talking about and your, your doula has been saying to you, like, there's almost this sort of like primal mama instinct that surpasses like politeness or like anything. A hundred percent. Yes. The lioness comes out. That's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, it was definitely a big pregnancy for you and you learned a lot. And what would you say was sort of like the pivotal sort of changing point or like, was there a point throughout that nine months where you sort of surrendered and was like, stopped being pissed off and like started just embracing that this was like your own experience because it did happen. And, and I'm asking, cause I don't know if there was like a specific event that led to that or like the last month of your pregnancy, you were very surrendered and like super mm. calm and something shifted and, I'm just wondering from, you know, what was that? I mean, I'm still pissed about the fact that I wasn't more prepared just from like a societal and cultural standpoint, like the lack in women's health and the education. And I have come from a place of incredible privilege and so much access to education and communities that are very progressive and yet here I was health insurance health insurance don't get me started on that but um so I'm still pissed and I still and I and I uh just whatever little impact I can make by telling my story I'm going to you know shout it from the rooftops um but I don't really think I ever like I think I realized from, from a very early point that I was going to have to figure things out for myself, um, because there was no guidebook. Um, and I don't think I ever, like, I think I, the last month of my pregnancy was this, this slight calmness because I knew there was an end in sight and I mm. knew the baby was going to get out one way or the other. And my, some of the pain that I had been dealing with, like ribs going out and incredible restless leg syndrome and nausea and, you know, just incredible, incredible chronic fatigue. We learned that there's something called lightning crotch. Oh yeah. That's so fun. Just so many things happen to your body. (laughs) You're building a life. It's miraculous. Right. And, um, you know, the physical pain of my pregnancy, it didn't really ever end. It just, I think mentally knowing that there was going to be an end to it 
um, was why there was a sense of calm and surrender in the last month for me. And I think that actually does kind of happen often from what I understand from my doulas, like biologically women kind of get into this very quiet and introverted space as a way to kind of prepare for the doorway that they're about to walk through. Um, but yeah, I just remember, um, early on in my pregnancy, um, like being with an, I decided to, um, go forward with an OB, um, and it was actually pregnant herself, which was funny. And as the, you know, appointments were going on, I was really feeling, um, kind of a lack of connection with the OB and I would ask more like emotional questions, I guess, not even emotional, just like not super scientific about my body or about the pregnancy. And I just got back very simple, scientific, very just like methodical answers. And I did have a moment um, where we were at Trevor's aunt's house who Trevor's aunt is a doula here. Um, and I just said, I, something's missing and I don't feel like I'm supported in the way that I need to be. And that's when I first learned about doulas and also midwives. Um, and I, and it was just so funny for me to, you know, think I had known a lot about my body and about my, you know, the healthcare system and women's health. And I was sitting there and I was like, well, how does like, if I go, if, can I switch to a midwife midway through my pregnancy or how will this affect my insurance? Or what does that mean for my birth plan? Like, um, can I be in a hospital? Can I still have an epidural if I want it? Like all of these questions. And I was like, where do I even go to figure this out? Like, thank God I have some support with women who have been through it and been through the system. Um, and I ended up just kind of, I stuck with my OB, but I hired a doula to come for, um, to be there for my birth. Um, and I set up postpartum doula care. And then in the very kind of twisted turn of events, I switched, um, to a midwife halfway through my labor, um, which is kind of unheard of. Um, Wait, but it I want, I want to talk about that. Like that deserves its own, like, yeah. let's just leave a little cliffhanger right there yeah. because I want to go back. And I was hoping that you would say this because for me, the real transformation happened when you met your doulas and yes. it was like night and day, your level of confidence going yeah. into the birth and Trevor's too. Yeah. His energy changed once you met Michelle, yeah. um, your doula. And I didn't even know what a doula meant. Yeah. And so I just want to go back to the lack of information. Oh my God. Like on an offhand conversation with Trevor's aunt suggested getting a doula. Like what, how did yeah. we, how did we not know? So that goes back to just like the pissed offness is like learning about what a doula actually was. And I, I feel so lucky because I got to learn so much through you going through this experience, but I just want to go back and to anybody listening who has questioned working with a doula, who thinks working with a doula means not delivering in a hospital. Like let's just, what yeah, does a doula clarify. mean to you? Yeah. Like, please define what you mean when you say like, I worked with doulas. Right. Thank you. Um, well, I think every I mean, you get a different doula with every, every doula, you know, it's not, nothing is technically right. I'm the asking same. your, yeah. in your definition. Yeah. In your experience. So yeah. what I learned was 
we, we hired a birth doula, Michelle, who's amazing. And her essential role was to be there during the birth, whether I decided to do it at home or in the hospital, wherever I wanted to have my, have the birth experience. She was there as kind of my right hand and Trevor's right hand to support. So what I loved about her was that rather than taking the power away from Trevor and I and kind of, uh, handling the birth herself or just like uh telling us what to do there was this super super intentional um kind of way of empowering us to be ready for the birth experience as ready as we could be and she really took like a a kind of backseat role and let trevor and i really um, have our own experience and was just there to slip in when needed um almost like just it, she was like dancing in the in the in the room in the hospital room around us just holding us and supporting us and yet my memory of the birth is not her it's Trevor's face because he was right there with me the entire time and so essentially she came for two different two hour long sessions in like my 36th and 37th week of pregnancy to just kind of answer our questions and um, because I had chosen to give birth in a hospital, I, unbeknownst to Trevor and I, there's so many decisions that moms and dads have to make or mothers have to make, um, right after pretty much they give birth and also during, and you are in now that I've been through it, like there was no way I could have made those decisions with a clear head. Um, so things like, um, like they give babies vitamin K shots or they put ointments in their eyes, or do you want the umbilical cord to pulse to completion or not? Like, when do you want it cut? Do you want the baby bathed right away? Um, do you want dad to catch? Like all of these things are generally asked in the room. And what Michelle helped us do, do was write down a birth preference sheet. So we had all the questions that we were going to be asked answered from the moment we walked in. And for example, with like the epidural, I just said, I want to stay pain medicine free unless I choose otherwise, which I ended up definitely wanting the epidural. Um, but all that was written out and my OB knew that and the nurses knew that. Um, and then just in those sessions, she also taught us like laboring positions, like ways that Trevor could support me as the, as the contractions came on, what to expect on my water broke all of these things. And you then empowered information. Knowledge is power. We uh, keep saying that a hundred percent. And the most beautiful thing that she kept telling us, because I think so many women experience the anxiety of the lead up to what is this going to be like, what's going to happen. You know, you're headed in for a massive experience and there's only so many questions that can be answered. And what Michelle really did was she continually said that labor for a woman is not a front brain thing. It is a completely instinctual thing that your body and the wisdom of your body already knows how to do. So we already know how to give birth, right? It's a back brain, totally not heady thing. You get into this primitive, intuitive space at, when you're going through it. And she kept reminding me of that as I kept asking questions, she would answer my questions and then be like, just remember, you already know how to do it. And it's true. Like I didn't go into the pushing process, knowing how to push. It just happened. Like yeah. 
And I think that's to, to continually empower the woman and their husband, if, the, if he's present, to know that it is an instinctual thing, to know that you can do it together no matter what you face is such a beautiful thing because I do think a lot of power can be taken away um, in certain birth experiences. And that makes me really sad. Um, and that was my reasoning for really wanting Michelle by our side was because I knew maybe, you know, the hospital would be a little bit more methodical and Western and, and not as emotionally supportive as I wanted. And so I brought Michelle in and she was that emotional support um, for me. And which and is ultimate, it's ultimately like what you needed to like is to be in a hospital for your birth. Cause I actually want to talk about your birth itself. Yeah. And if you want to talk a little bit more about why you chose to give birth at a hospital, I got a lot of questions from that. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a really big conversation and it's something a lot of women question about, like, do I want to give birth at home in a tub, blah, blah, blah. And there's so much more to it. I learned than like birthing in a tub. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's what a lot of you know, it's so much I find is like put in these boxes of black and white and it's just not that way. Mm -hmm. And what I love about your birth, it's like this huge gray box of like, you got some Western, you got a midwife, you got a doula, you got this. And I would love for you to share that combo because it's really sounds like the dream. And, um, again, something I didn't even know was possible. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's so funny. If you had asked me two years ago, how, what I wanted my birth experience to be, I would have said in a tub at home, you know, just home birth, super, super natural, whatever. Something happened the moment I got pregnant. And this again, goes back to the instinct and intuition of a woman, right? That we have this power source, this wisdom source within ourselves that especially gets activated um, in the process of pregnancy, even if you don't know it's there, you're already doing so much, right? Because I also felt really disconnected and like, what the hell am I doing during my entire pregnancy? Um, totally, totally. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's subconscious. I think yeah. a lot of it. Um, totally, because you just feel physically awful like me. <laughs> um, but the moment I got pregnant, something switched, and I it was just a complete 180 for me. And I was like, I want to be in a hospital, and I just knew it. And I can't explain it why it happened. Um, but I'm really thankful that I listened to my body because the birth was not easy. And Kailash, our son, um, had a really tough process, um, getting out and so did I, and, um, we both needed medical intervention in some way. Um, and I just, I didn't question it. And I think that was the, that again, goes back to the theme of like, I'm just going to carve my own path and I'm just going to listen to my, to my body and to my wisdom and my intuition here. And I chose to be in a hospital, but again, like I started with an OB and then I pivoted and I brought in a doula and then midway through the birth, I did a huge pivot and somehow got a midwife in the room. And I think that you're, even if you want a birth at home, like there, or in a birthing center or in a hospital, like I think women know what they're going to need in some way. If you get really quiet and you listen and, um, I really, I, I just, something I was telling you, Krista, yesterday about, um, this article that came out in Time Magazine called, um, The Goddess Myth that came out in 2017 about this. There's a lot to the article, but one of the major talking points is this, like, 
kind of subtle, but also very strong pressure for women to do birth and pregnancy as naturally as possible. Like do it as nature intended you to do it. And that you're like some warrior or goddess. Yeah. We like put women up on this like pedestal, just like they're, they're glowing and they're, and they're thriving. Look at that pregnancy glow and and they're going to birth at home in a, in a water, which is all amazing. If that is your experience. And yet if you actually talk to women on the street, it often doesn't go that way. And I remember in the article reading, like, for example, that of the, of the percentage of women that said, said they wanted to breastfeed, right. For a year, um, less, I think it was 60% of those women didn't end up making it a year in breastfeeding or of the women that wanted a natural birth, a high percentage had to end up in the hospital with some type of something or a C-section or whatever. And because there is this like there's we're set up as women to like do everything as naturally as possible despite our pain or our own physical experience or emotional experience that we're going through um when things don't go that way we start to speak about our birth and our birth experience or our pregnancy experience in a language of failure right like we celebrate the fact that we didn't need paid medication and then for me I chose to have an epidural, but I'm not going to like post about that and celebrate that, um, that I chose to have that epidural because it's like, I didn't do it totally natural. Like I didn't do it the most natural way. And it's just such a setup for, for failure for women. We should be celebrating people for celebrate, like for choosing self-sovereignty for standing in their autonomy during one of the most primal moments of their life saying, Hey, I want to do this without medication or Hey, put that epidural on my back right now or whatever it is. And everything in between that should be celebrated. And when you were sharing that with me, it's just like, I think to ask for medication, like even, you know, to relate it to going on anti-anxiety, like that's something to celebrate, like saying, Hey, like this hurts. I can't do this on my own. Like that is a hard decision. Um, not to mention in the middle of birth. So yeah, I, I was, I was hoping that you were going to bring that article up because I just want, you know, so many of these things we've been talking about day in and day out offline, you know, and I just think that it's so important given, you know, how, accessible or how much access we actually have to information. And then the little information that we're actually prepared with, is just like such a mind fuck. <laughs> it really is. I think that there needs to be so much more emphasis on, on, you know, just one, our choices, the choices yes. that we have, like somebody help us navigate this racket of a system of a healthcare system. And um, to be empowered then that, right. Like, let's just amplify the conversation of empowering women with whatever choice they make, whether it is a natural birth in a tub or in a hospital or a C-section, whatever it is, celebrate each one of them because you are giving life no matter what. Um, and you know, it was funny in our birth in part of having a doula, um, and part of Michelle's kind of philosophy was after the birth at some point we did a birth processing session and that was immensely healing for oh, me can we just talk about that for a second like what a birth I processing mean, session 
I don't think people know how vulnerable women are after they give birth and how much support they actually need. And part of that support is just processing out loud this thing that people just set us up to believe is this like natural moment of euphoria and joy and overwhelming love. And I walked out of it with a shitload of trauma, a lot of depression and no euphoria, really just like, what the hell just happened? Who is this strange child? What happened to my body? And it's just, I had no idea that that would be my experience on the other side of my pregnancy. And I felt guilt for it. I felt ashamed about it. And yet, once I started talking about it, so many women wrote me privately on social media and said that they had gone through it too. But it's just funny because I was, I surprised myself when Michelle asked in that birth processing session to go back to that, like what my, what I learned about myself in the birth. Um, And I learned the main thing I learned, which is interesting. And for anybody that knows me, I'm incredibly stubborn and I really try and prove how strong I am to myself all the time and to others. And so if I'm going to go hiking and get into hiking, I'm going to put myself at 20,000 feet without oxygen in the Himalayas. Cause that's just how I function. And so when I got into the birth, I, I, in my old self, I could see myself trying to prove something. And actually when I was in the birth and I asked for the epidural, looking back on that now, it was actually, I think one of my prouder moments, um, of my birth. And, um, it's because I, I had the strength to ask for help and say, this is, this is enough. I can't do it anymore. And I need help. And I really learned that, um, I could be soft in that way and I could be vulnerable in that way. And I think that's one of the things that motherhood has already really taught me is a softness and a surrendering to receiving the support that we so desperately need after going through something like that. Um, yeah, there's just so much to say about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Kai Kai. Let's talk about my favorite little angel in the world. Um, so he was born yes. and he came into this world <laughs> you see and it. it took a while. I think you made a really comfy little home for him. So it ended up being like what a 30 plus hour birth. Yeah. 34 hours, 34 hours from when my water broke to when he came out. Yeah. And it was getting the updates from Trevor. It was so cute. Like it was just such a, a beautiful 24 hours and getting to see him and getting to meet him is just like, of course that was Kai in there, you know, like it just, it all makes so much sense now. And he's just an absolute wonder. And I've got to meet him in person. And what has it been like for you? Talk to me about uh, his name. I got a lot of questions about um, the name Kailash and where that came from and just what he's like. Um, I know you guys have chosen not to share um, a lot about him right now. And I was hoping you could share with us, you know, some of your favorite things about him. And I get a lot of questions just wanting to know more about Kai. Mm, That's so sweet. Um, well, first I think the surprising thing about meeting Kai was, um, that I didn't feel immediately connected in the way I thought I would. 
And I've actually spoken to a lot of women about that. And that seems to be a pretty common experience, despite the story that we're fed, right? That the moment they come out, it's like this love you've never felt before. Um, and it's all joy and, and deep, deep connection. And um, when he came out, it was in such shock and he just kind of felt like a stranger to me. And immediately there's where the mom guilt kind of enters. Um, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just so sad because it's just, I wish the story was different because of how many women I've spoken to that have had that, that experience of the connection, not being in, instant. And actually uh, most women and not to be comparing that of my friends haven't had the instant. It, yeah. I, I and so really- I almost knew like that, that might be a thing. And I feel more prepared as a friend to support my mom friends that way you and my other bestie gave birth really close and I actually asked her recently I was like are you in love with him yet Mm. you know that's such a beautiful question it's funny Instagram would tell us otherwise but I actually think that most a lot of women don't feel instantly connected yeah um yes and but that and that being said you know the first few weeks you know you have a lot of women have babies so I was definitely super depressed and then also not connected to this being that had just been inside of me for nine, 10 months. Um, and that was a really, really tough kind of period. And I just remember my doula saying like, just be kind to yourself and just be patient. Like connections, any other connections in our lives are usually built over time. Um, and now I can happily report that as the day goes on, I literally just want to eat him <laughs> the cutest thing in the He's whole the world it's big in the I world <laughs> He's like a little baby trevor face he it's... really looks like trevor it's a little creepy um <laughs> and i'm like i'm holding trevor um, even my midwife said that when she met him again after the birth because she left the you know the room and hadn't seen him since like brought him in and she's like this is a little weird i feel like i'm holding trevor <laughs> Same. I feel um, like I'm swaying Trav. Oh my God. <laughs> but he's just, he's beautiful. You know, he had a rough start to the world. He was born with, um, during the birth, he was clamping on the cord and his heart rate was really unstable. And, um, uh, there was a point where, you know, they had me on oxygen and on all fours and we're like, you got to get this baby out because he can't um, handle a long, um, you know, pushing process. Um, and when he came out, you know, he was, you know, all your plans got the window. I wanted the cord to be pulsed to completion. And, you know, he, I wanted him on the chest skin to skin for an hour. And within under a minute, he was taken off my chest and had to be immediately put on oxygen, um, and taken into the NICU where actually Trevor got to spend the first hours of his life with him. Um, but he was born with wet lung, um, which is fluid on the lung because the amniotic fluid wasn't totally squeezed out of his chest in the birth canal, which is where it often happens. And, um, we were in the NICU for five days, um, which I just want to note that I feel incredibly privileged to have birth in a hospital that I didn't know until we were in it, but it's one of, I think four hospitals in the U S where the parents um, are not separated from the child in the NICU. So rather than having to like have visiting hours with 
my newborn in a, in a random room. He was in a room attached to our bedroom and I could wake up at any moment of the day and check on him and see him. And I watched the nurses come in. And it's funny because Trevor and I actually um, look back on our time in the NICU as one of the more special times we've ever had together. Um, the nurses were just incredible and we learned so much from them rather than just being like right. dumped at home, which is the experience of a lot of women. And they're just like, right. here, take you Sorry, had like around the clock care for 24 hours. And I think it was yeah. really cool too, because we knew he was going to be okay. Like it wasn't at that point, it was just monitoring, right. And making sure. And again, like having your baby in the NICU is very scary, but I just kept saying sleep, like use that. Yeah. You, but know. you know, one of the, uh, I will note though, that there was this, like on a, on a very like superficial real level, there was this like confidence in his safety because he was like on so many monitors and I could right. see what his oxygen levels were at. But interesting. now weeks later in like in the processing of my birth and as I'm kind of coming up for air, uh, I've had a lot of the conversations with my doula about the subconscious fear that kind of gets set into the body um, when your baby is in the NICU because they don't look okay, you know, with all those right. monitors and the sounds right. of the and the oxygen on his face. And oftentimes what I've learned is when parents have to go into the NICU with their child, um, that connection is um, like kind of delayed. I was wondering that. Because get into a survival, like I can't connect with this kid because what if God forbid something happens and I lose him? I'm gonna, our subconscious self-preservation all that stuff goes into autopilot. And I don't even think we have much control over the walls that have to go up to protect our hearts from fully diving into a connection with this being, because you're seeing them on, you know, on these monitors and you're, right. and you're in the NICU. So, you know, something's not going great. Um, and I actually think that it does kind of stunt the connection in the beginning or it can. Um, yeah. And that's something I learned and have, been practicing a lot of compassion for with myself, um, is just realizing that my body probably was, and mine was protecting myself. Um, and the connection did take a little bit longer to form because that was just the way I was going to survive. God forbid anything happened. Definitely. Yeah. And I think so much of what you're speaking to now is that things that you've been learning from the postpartum doula, which by the way, is a thing. <laughs> like they're not yeah. gone, you know, yeah. like they're still in your world even more so um, yeah. since you had yeah. Kai Kai and have been so helpful. And like, literally it's really, I think the underlying theme of this whole conversation is like self-sovereignty and like autonomy and that the doulas have continued to empower that in you because just recently you went for a visit at the doctors and they told you something yeah. and then you were like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. Bup, 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 bup. And then after like a one hour conversation with Michelle, your doula, you were back in your like deep knowing, knowing of yeah. like, actually I thought about it and she didn't tell you otherwise. She just turned you back into your, your inner yeah. knowing. Yeah. And I think that that is sort of this underlying current. 
And when that shift happened, when you met the doulas and it like pushed you, like even by not sharing and being really private, like at the very beginning and going through this whole quiet pregnancy, you really got to be in Mm -hmm. and really listen like to what was being, like you said, your like internal primal instinct, whatever you want to call it, mama lion. And then what the doulas have done for you is just push you back into that and like guide you back into that and answering questions and obviously giving like really cool also science data facts about (laughs) breast milk and like all this stuff, but going back into that like inner knowing of like what to do now and Mm -hmm. how you make decisions for yourself and for Kai now. I think that's just been so cool to watch. Yeah, I think it's, it's amazing. And, you know, I was just thinking as you were saying this, it's like doulas exist, you know, Michelle's like my ultimate goal is to almost not have to be a doula because doulas exist because of a break in our cultural system, right. And a lack in our system, in our culture where Michelle was like, if we lived in, you know, this place in India or in South America, where the traditions and culture of, of, of surrounding, you know, a woman in their journey into motherhood are still, you know, at play and still held doulas don't need to be there because the family system and, and the community and the villages that they live in support all of this, you know, like if I was living in India, traditionally I'd have a massage every day, postpartum, I'd have aunties, and mothers and grandmothers in the house with me. I wouldn't need postpartum doula care. Right. Um, you know, there's just, they, they're, they're angels, they're fairies. I don't know what I would do without them, but they also exist because there is this fractured system around motherhood. And it's, and if you, it can feel, and I, and I experienced it and then pivoted and made a change, but it can feel so impersonal and so fractured. And so, um, just like mechanical and scientific. And yet there is this entire part of it that is wisdom based and spiritual and deep and initiative. And, um, and the doulas brought me back to that, right. They, they held that energy for me and I've kept that energy alive, even when I'm spinning out and I get, you know, news from the pediatrician and, and, and they've kept me there in my knowing, but, you know, a lot of that is usually held for women within their right. communities or within their family members and their family systems. But we live plain rise away from our families. Like it's just Trevor and I here. And, yeah. and I think that's just important to note, right. Is that like, they're fulfilling a gap in our, in our cultural system. And people might have it here. And of course, in the States and pockets, but right. um, it's not something I was born into. And so I had to, curate it and cultivate it. And I've learned so much through it. And, and they've brought in these beautiful ceremonies, like closing of the bones, which I told you about in the postpartum, um, process that have really made me, I think, um, able to be, to get up every morning and be my best self or as much as I can be and, um, have kept me sane and healthy. And I just, every day, I think, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have the support. And I know so many women don't. And I just, yeah, it takes my breath away what women go through. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I also think um, something that 
I really learned from Michelle is just how to really like, it's funny, our last episode and the tattoo, I have my arm on my arm and a big saying in Nepal is a Titi Deva Baba, which means the guest is God. And I try and do this wherever I go, um, especially in my own home. And Clay and I like have this whole thing. Emery and I have a whole two hour episode on it. It's a big theme, big theme in my life. And Michelle does it to the mama. So it's like the mama is ma, like the divine, the prayer is like all around. How can I be in devotion to the new mama? And whether it's walking in and just immediately starting to put things away or like immediately starting to fold clothes or like go straight to the sink and bring Emery a glass of water, like whatever it is, it's like done without asking. And I learned so much from her when I came to visit. And then I started like doing that and I was thinking the same thing, like, okay, what can I do to take care of Emery? And it wasn't even like, oh, I'm here to take care of Kai. It was like, I'm here to take care of Kai to be in devotion to Emery, right. To serve Emery. And then when I came home, my two best friends, by the way, have babies two weeks apart, little boys. It's absolutely magical. I'm in baby heaven, totally different to like, it's so crazy. Anyway, just like, again, talk (laughs) about your own journey. Yes. Um, it's just couldn't be diff- more different. Yeah. Um, your birth experience is the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so interesting. But anyway, I've been doing this for her too. And I learned this from Michelle and it's just this idea, like she's got her hands full. She's got two and she was having a little birthday party the other day. And I just, the entire time I was just in service to her. Cora needs to eat. I'm going to bring her a plate of food. I'm sure she hasn't eaten. What do you want to drink? And it It's so, it's like, you're serving the ultimate mother, you know, in that way. And I really feel that divine energy from the doulas. And for someone that's like so deeply spiritual and like connected as you are, of course, there was going to be a disconnect Mm -hmm. from the Western system. And I like, you are a Nepali villager in your heart and that's, you know, speaks so much to who you are and what you do outside of being a mama, but also now being a mom Mm -hmm. almost more so and having the doulas really close that gap for you and like bring it back to ma and bring it back to the surrendering and bring it back to the deep wisdom, the familial systems, you know, all of that stuff and how we can support women. I just think has been really cool. And that's what it's done for me too. And I feel like it's just like switched something in me for now when I see friends that have new babies or just new moms in general, there's like a different sort of divinity. And I was telling you that even just from being pregnant for a few weeks, I like see women totally differently now. Yeah, it it, it is. Yeah. They really hold that. Doulas really hold that, that they're the ones that are holding mothers up on this pedestal, but in a really beautiful, healthy way, because they're honoring the, the, the word I keep going back to, I was writing last night, just kind of free flow. It's like, the bigness of the experience. Like I completely underestimated how big of an experience pregnancy and birth is. Um, and I, I wrote this poem, you know, that I shared on social media a little while back. And one of the lines in it is you were born and you're dying. And I do feel like for me, at least a part of me died in that, in that room when I gave birth and there's, I had no idea how cracked open I would be and how 
big the experience of becoming a mother would be in all directions, right? We'd always talk about, Michelle and I always talk about how motherhood um, and pregnancy and birth in general stretch your emotional capacity in all directions. So in the direction of joy, but also in the direction of suffering and pain and challenge, um, you're just stretched. And for me, I felt like I was like broken open and in a way birthed through my own birth. And there was something new about myself. There was a there's like a new woman kind of emerged in that room, but also it took something dying to create that new life or to create that new person. And that is not, that does not come without hardship, right? That doorway, you do not walk through with ease. Um, it's it a is portal. Not, it's, it's a, a portal. And I, I know you and Trav and, and I have all talked about um, in great lengths when that portal of birth is open, it's also the same portal where death lives. Right. And it's, that is the portal that we come in and out of. And so when it's open, you're also touching death. Would you read that poem to us? Sure. Yeah. I, I, one of, um, one of our mutual friends one time said to me years ago, she said, a woman never, uh, when a woman is giving birth, she dances with death. Mm. And she said that to me so many years ago. And I did not understand it until I gave birth. And I was like, and even for you with the miscarriage, like when that portal is, it is, even if the baby is alive and comes out happy and healthy, you are touching death 100%. Yeah. And that I feel like is a, we could do a whole new podcast. Oh yeah. And I just, yeah. And while you're looking for that poem, I would just love you to read it to us. It's so beautiful in your own words. Um, the portal that we've talked about, you know, with Trev that day too. Um, it was one of the first things he said to me <laughs> after the birth. He was like, I got a little dark. Like, oh yeah. I wasn't expecting to like see the dark side oh. and the shadow and the underbelly. And I think, you know, so much of the text I'm reading right now around spirituality and we're reading death must die. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're really in this, this idea for me of like, you don't know light if you like, you really like they, it sounds so cliche, but like without the death, without the dark, there truly can't be the light. And it's so beautiful. And to be like held in reverence, like for what I went through, I, it's just like, I revere the port. Like I like bow down to the portal. And I spoke in my episode, how I just have nothing but this like cool new gratitude of like, wow, women are fucking awesome. awesome. (laughs) And I do want to know, which is something that you also learned through me and my experience with my duels is that there are a hundred percent miscarriage doulas and stillborn doulas and death doulas. And they're like those, those fairies that come and hold our hands. And just because it's not just for a healthy birth for a baby coming out, it is, you also went through a birth and a death of your own. And there are doulas. And the doulas are for the mamas. Yes. I remember I had to switch that perspective for you because that you were like, well, what does she do for Kai? And I'm like, well, I'm her client. Kai's not her client. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, like it really switched something in me because I was like, well, what is she doing now? And blah, blah, blah. I just like ask a ton of questions always. (laughs) And (laughs) just, I want to know every little detail of every little thing. And there are sometimes these little reframes 
that just like shift my whole purse, like just blow it all open. I'm like, oh, got it. And that's why I didn't even consider the fact that there could be a miscarriage doula because there was no baby. So how could I have a doula? Oh my gosh. Okay. Anyway, so interesting. And it's just been, yeah. So, so beautiful. Yeah. How many women have miscarriage? I, I, how many women I know that have had miscarriages? Like, how do we not know that there are like, there's support, there's ceremony, there's so much there and it doesn't require a baby. Like, no, it requires a mama. It requires the mama. Speaking of that, please read us this poem. I just think it's so beautiful. It's like one of the first, most raw things you shared from your, from your birth. You're right. It was one of the first. Um, It says, uh, you built a life under 10 moons. You were a house of water. You held a second heart in the arms of your rib cage, dreamed two sets of dreams, merged the rivers of your bloodlines under your skin. And then in the early hours of a spring morning, I watched a piece of you leave, swallowed in the pain of your shattering. You broke and the rains of new life poured out of you. You are now the mother of that dawning ground, the guardian of its soil, the mender of its aching, the gardener of its joy. This is your work now. You were born in your dying. You were delivered to a new life as you birthed one into existence. You are utter magic building that mountain. Birth. It's so good. I feel like I didn't really hear it until you just read it. Mm. (laughs) I'm crying. (laughs) The worst. Um, Yeah, it's just been a lot, you know. We've been through. We've been through a lot. And I think one of the most beautiful parts is like, you know, in that last two weeks, um, we were pregnant at the same time in the last month. Oh my god. And it was just like, I don't know, so interesting. Like there's this whole COVID like experience. We really like went in and we even didn't see each other. I mean, obviously we talked like 10 times a day, but we didn't see each other. Um, you know, you guys may or may not have conceived when we were all still together. <laughs> it's TBD. Um, but basically my point is, from the time you got pregnant to the time you gave birth, I didn't see you. Um, so wild. And and, I also didn't see you through like your miscarriage and right. And and I know you didn't want to draw a lot of attention to that, but you taught me so much through that experience. And I think you were, you were the closest person I've been to that has gone through that. Um, I know women that are closer to me, like in my family that have gone through it, but you spoke about it and, and we're really, um, brave and sharing your story. I mean, it's brave either way if you don't or not, but I was clued into so much more of that journey and what that is like for a woman and what that was like for you. And I had no idea. And Same. I, I mean, that's so the biggest theme here. Yeah. We had no idea. (laughs) We had no idea. And and the the one beautiful karmic thing that happened was that portal was really open for us, like within the same 24 hours, um, which I think just speaks to our karma and our rivers meeting and 
you know, everything that we believe and sort of like associate our reason to. Yeah. Um, and so that again was like just the whole experience, I think, of just like being a female, <laughs> having yeah. female friends get pregnant, getting pregnant myself. Like, I think that there's so much sort of like sometimes I feel anyway, there's so much emphasis on the oneness all the time. Mm especially in like our world that there's like sometimes not enough room for celebrating the, the differences of our culture, of our, um, sexual orientations of our genetic makeups, like of our ancestor, it's sort of like shunning or doing a disservice to the things that make us so unique and so individual. And so like our own and so real at the end of the the goddess myth of that article the woman really the author really brings that home by just talking about that about not only recognizing but celebrating the contrasts in our experiences um and our choices you know and I think that's there's such a lack of that because I even felt a pressure to do things a certain way um you know under a certain philosophy and a certain method and I, I made choices outside of that prescribed kind of formula for me. And I totally celebrate that. And I wish there was more room for, for that to, for us to all celebrate whatever choices we have, the individuality in our own experiences. Um, there's so much more room for that. And that, that's just my prayer. You know, that's what I, I kind of open this conversation with, right. Is that, it's just my experience and these choices are just my choices and, and I honor mine. I bow at the feet of my journey and I bow at the feet of yours too. Um, yeah. And I think that was one of the more beautiful pieces that just, you know, of our friendship in all of this was like, we were having very, although sometimes it was similar, it wasn't really at all. And no, it really wasn't like, yeah, certain magical moments that sort of like danced. But other than that, I think we did a really great job at holding space for the other one. Like you were about to give birth, holding space for me, like going (laughs) through the worst week of my life. And then like, I, me flipping back to being like, oh my God, checking my phone, looking at pie during the, and there was not an ounce of me that compared myself to like in those moments of like true unconditional love with the women in your life. Like there's just no, so multiple people even wrote me and we're like, Oh my God, that must've been so hard for you. I'm like, what? <laughs> like yeah. not yeah. at all. And then like, Oh, was that like really sad for Emery? I'm like, no, she was wanted to know every detail as soon as she could, like for yeah. words, it was the yeah. first thing she wanted to know. Like there was no moment where I felt my experience took away from yours and like your experience took away from mine. And we could both fully have our own individual experiences and celebrate and hold space for the other. And that's possible. And it I totally want to do more of that. And it was like really easy for us. Yeah. I think it's because there was a, there's a, there's a, a level of presence that is required, uh, when you're going through something like that, whatever on other, uh, like on any end of the spectrum of that journey, right. There's a intense and fierce presence that is required of you. So even though I was unaware of even the room I was in when I was giving birth, 
Um, when I walked out of that room, I knew what had happened to you without you even telling me. And that was simultaneously happening as I was in complete presence and awareness of what I was going through. Um, and then we just chatted about it after and we're like, wow, that was fucking crazy. How are you doing? <laughs> that was fucked up. Who wants to yeah. go first? Yeah. Who wants to go first? Talk about, that was right like now. the most epic. Emery and I have coffee talk every morning. <laughs> we start our day with a nice latte and she has Kai now on her lap and I have my feral beasts and, <laughs> um, and that was one hell of a coffee talk uh, oh, it was when we exchange stories. And I think that's just, if we can do more of that as women, mm-hmm. um, exchange stories and just hold space for the other story. And that's it. That's There's it. really nothing else required and holding space is such a beautiful gift, um, to give somebody. And that's really what I wanted to do on this podcast is just hold space for M. And, you know, of course you're so sweet to bring it back to, you know, my experience as well. And it was, but just to be able to hold space for another's experience while you two are having an experience, Mm -hmm. I think is just really powerful, especially amongst friends. Like there's nothing more beautiful than female friendships and Mm -hmm. like, just bow down and yes. you know when just popped into my head for some reason I'm just I like know. talk about the ultimate female friendship I know. let's I just know. win a little yeah um and I'm just really like learning to provide space and time to those friendships that that give me so much and you're one of them mm. my little nugget do you feel like we hit on everything I do. I I feel like we totally did. I was going to end this with like rapid fire questions because I thought we would be like maybe crying or um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm too tired to cry. (laughs) I didn't know how it would end, but I just feel like we got there and like everything that needed to be covered was covered. And no, let's do rapid fire questions. Okay. You want me to ask you some rapid? Well, as long as they're good, are they good? Um, yeah, I have some good ones. I mean, (laughs) whatever. Um, I just thought that it would be fun to like, just do some like really quick. I think it's fun. I think we got there and then let's have some fun. Okay, great. Um, so favorite Trevor Hall song go. (laughs) Oh, it's like this. Oh God. Um, 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 you know me, I'm not going to be rapid. Um, <laughs> okay. 10, you have to answer in 10 seconds or less. Favorite Trevor Hall song on the new album. Oh, that's a good thing. Um, God, I really love Monsoon Clouds. Really? Because it's like, it to me, it's inseparable from our time in the village. Like I'm back in that rainy village in the tent with the villagers drinking chai with Trevor. Cause that's where it came from. So it holds the space of this village in Rasua, Nepal for me. And it's like utter magic. Mm, such a good song. Um, okay. Um, favorite reality TV show right now. Oh my God. The Hills. Oh, you are so into that right now. Oh God. Well, growing up when I watched like Kristen Cavallari and like, oh my God, all those, all those people, uh, Justin Bobby and I love them all. Okay. If you could vacation anywhere right now, where would you go? Um, 
Well, Nepal, but no, I've been like really cold to Mexico. Mm, well, you know I, how I feel about Mexico. I know. I know. I think we need to do a trip to Baja. I don't know. It's just been in my field. I don't know why. I am so here for that. Okay. That's a good one. Um, what are you reading right now? Nothing. I have a newborn. <laughs> you could read, <laughs> you could be reading a book right now. What was the last book you read? Oh, I finished, I finished, um, the Van- vanishing half. That was truly the last book I read, which was, which was good. But right before that, I read where the crowd that's sing. And that's one of my favorite books I've ever read. I just finished that. It's like incredible. I ke- I keep thinking about her. I know it, it seeps. There's something about the way that that author like captures the environment. Cause it's like, so right detailed and like the birds and the, and the tree and the floras and faunas and the, and the relationships and the characters, but you're, you're so transported to, to like the deep South. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it kind of like left a mark in my bones, so to speak of just like, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was in the marsh. Oh my God. I'm like there again. I know you can like smell it because it's she so, had such a how knowledge. Does she do? Yeah. Tell me she more. Had such a no- I don't know, but obviously this author had a deep, deep knowledge of the kind of, uh, biology of the marsh, right? Like the way that she describes like the, the birds and the, and the different creatures that lived there and how they made it and moved and migrated. There was a level of knowledge there that like, it wasn't just like somebody who knew about the South. It was like a deep, deep knowledge of the ecosystem. And you're I think really you gonna just, that. you're going to die for braiding sweetgrass. Like talk oh, about, I'm- talk about being stubborn. We're just going to like get over the part where you're really stubborn and just read it because it's so good. It's like that. Um, okay. Wait, I just had another one. Oh, most, uh, what was your last impulse buy? Oh, I bought really cute outfits for Kai from Riley and crew. (laughs) That was it. I love those pants. Oh my God. That's Riley and crew. They're so cute. Yeah. Tell me for new mamas out there that love your style. What are your like top baby stores or like brands? Um, I really love Pear, P-E-H-R. They're a Canadian company, all organic, the cutest things in the whole world. And Riley and crew, for sure. Those are like my two, like, I don't know where else I shop. I mean, but then also like they grow out of them so fast. So I like, you can find really cute stuff for cheap on Amazon because they're, you're going to use them for two months. So. Right. Right. I know, but Kai just looks so freaking cute. And oh, no, I don't so cute. Just oh, I just eat him. Um, <laughs> he really is so cute. It's like, oh, and Kite. Kite, baby. K-Y-T-E. Their stuff is a soft. Like, I want one of their sleep bags for myself. I really feel like, you guys, I want to make Emery a mommy blogger where she, like, writes poetry <laughs> and, like, really beautiful words about motherhood, but we also, like, partner with all of these big brands. Um, and I'm like here for it. So I did so much research and also I really feel like I want to put my like registry, like things online. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. Cause she really does like so much research. It's incredible. And like cares about things like sustainability, where things are made price, like takes all that into consideration. So I just like, I'm really pushing this mommy blogger thing and TV. I don't know about that, but I definitely will share my little spreadsheet because someone sent theirs to me and then I just updated it myself. That's fine, but you need to at least collect an email if you're going to share it. That's all I've got. (laughs) (laughs) 
TBD. TBD. We'll talk about that later in our matching headbands right now. Oh, God. Um, we literally got on wearing matching headbands. Anyway, okay. I'm going to ask you one last question, and that is who is your favorite person to follow on Instagram right now? Lucy Bear 108. <laughs> what is it? What is it? <laughs> That's my feral dog. <laughs> um, God, you know. Who do you just like love? Well, oh, I can't get enough. Other than like my therapist says, which is like hands down our favorite. My name. therapist says is like my. And life. my bestie says. Um, yes, it's so good. For like, for an account that's not a person. Um, I've, I've found motherly to be really, really, um, like a beautiful resource for just stories that make you feel less alone in the journey of pregnancy and motherhood. Um, there's just like, there's talk about a platform that is talking about the real, the real experience of motherhood. Um, I, I found it really awesome. Um, I really like, um, Samantha in person. Mm, yeah you love her um, I love her too she's just again on it she has three boys um yeah Samantha in person um yeah. and I found her account of motherhood to be like very real and also very funny um mm. and it's just fun you just realize that like or for me at least a huge source of healing and um yeah it's a huge source of healing for me has been just following other moms and their stories and it's I mean, there's always a natural like comparison and, but in the, in, with the platforms that are, are really real, it's like you celebrate the wins and you also like commiserate too with like the nights yeah. that are just so terrible or like, totally. You know, well, I mean, misery last. loves company, right? Loves company. And so and it's, just, it's why the misery posts on social media do better. And like, I'm here for it. I'm here for it all. And I think that that just that just comes full circle to this whole privacy conversation at the beginning. But now more recently, when you do decide to share and when you do decide to be real, um, there is a really powerful community residence of like, oh, me too. You know, like, oh, yeah. I'm not alone. And I find that when I share about mental health, people are like, wow, like I can't believe that you shared that. And it's things like that, that keep me sharing. It's That's that 100%. community. It's that support. It's that if I can make one person, you know, anytime that I post and you're so intentional with your posts and your words and what you share. And it's, it's honestly, yeah, sometimes it's triggering because I want people to read more because you know you have so much like funny you're so funny like you're so weird like there's just like so much like to so you much happening <laughs> there's a lot happening and and I just think that we can all learn a lot you know from from sharing and because you see the world in such a poetic and sort of like beautiful way when you speak of something it you know, it has a really beautiful effect on others. So that yeah. being said, though, I do think that there's a really big beauty in sharing and in being honest. And for me, it's like, if one person feels less alone from this, if one person feels seen, um, that's who this was for. And at the end of the day, like, is this in service and is this in truth? And is this for my highest good and for the highest good mm -hmm. of somebody reading it? And that's just my prayer right now for anything I speak for this podcast. Like, may this be for Emery's highest good, for my highest good, and for anybody's highest good listening. And, you know, as Trevor would say, take the uh, guts and the. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I was just 
waiting for you to butcher it. <laughs> what is it? Cut off the head and the tail and take the essence. Yeah. So what from from this conversation from listening to us talk please cut off the head and the tail (laughs) cut off the head and the tail and take the essence and what it what you can take from this to serve you for your highest and greatest good because that's all it's about and I love you so much I love you too I'm so glad you wanted to do this thanks for saying yes yeah I think more than ever I think sharing and storytelling is is becoming a great healer for me um And I was just thinking about what you were saying about if I can make one less person feel, you know, alone or less alone or um, seen, you know, I think if this little microcosmic example of what I went through and what you went through, like just put that out on like a street that you're walking down the middle of New York City or wherever you live and know that there are a thousand more of those stories beating under somebody's, you know, chest and they're going through their own experience. And, um, we all have such stories to share and such life experiences that are so big and valid and beautiful and painful. And I just don't know where we forgot that everybody goes through shit and that there is so much power in sharing the story and finding commonalities and celebrating the differences and just being there to witness our own life and the lives of others. Like, I don't know where we, where we went wrong to like paint these airbrush versions of our lives and pretend that that's all that's happening because it's made us lose, lose our connection with one another. Um, and, and not the, alone. You're not alone. And, and being human is hard. Yeah. And we've got you in our matching headbands. We've got you. And yeah. We're loving you. We are loving you from Bashanti and Kopila. Thank you for listening to us. And we're going to be sharing more together. Um, TVD on what it's like, but are you kidding? (laughs) So annoying. We've literally been talking about doing a monthly pod or a quarterly pod and how we can share more and talk about more things. And you're just pretending like that's not happening. Like you're so annoying. You're the I'm worst. just being silly. <laughs> I gotta go breastfeed though, guys. Yeah, we gotta go. Um, we gotta thanks go. everybody <laughs> for listening. We're gonna wrap this up more soon. Um, if you love this, please, please, please leave us a review. You can find Emery at Emery Hall on Instagram, and her store should be back open sometime soon. And um, we did not get to touch on um, career and passions post um, motherhood, but I think that will be great um, for next episode is um balancing uh, being a mom with everything else so yeah (laughs) best of luck and for everybody (laughs) listening thank you thank you thank you for being here i love you very much and until next time keep growing bye